So some of you might be thinking, well, I thought we were done with the Lord's Prayer. We had three weeks on the Lord's Prayer. It's about time that we move on from this topic of prayer. Uh, but for me personally, the more and more I read about the Lord's Prayer, the more and more I realize, man, I really had no idea about the Lord's Prayer. Like, I can recite the Lord's Prayer. I can point to all the different words and the phrases. And I can just, yeah, just from memory, I can recite it. But to understand what this prayer is all about, you know, it takes so much time and, and effort to understand really the, the heart of Jesus' teaching. And so uh, today I just want to present to you the last session of, of how Jesus teaches us how to, how to pray. And so um, the feedback that I got so far was, man, it was, Pastor James, it's, it's been great to understand the heart behind prayer, how prayer begins with a relationship. It's not just a religious act, but it's really something that we do out of the overflow of this relationship that we have with God as our Father in Christ Jesus. We receive this incredible gift to be adopted as sons and daughters of God, and now we can call the God of the universe our Abba Father, and really it all begins with this idea that we have this Heavenly Father who's working in our lives. So prayer begins with a relationship. We don't just pray to an unknown God. We pray to our Heavenly Father. And that's, that's something that we see from the very first phrase of the Lord's Prayer, Father. And then we talked about how prayer helps us to understand what God wants for our lives, how He wants us to, to be God-exalting, God-centered, God-dependent people. That's, that's how God designed us from the very beginning, from the garden, how we weren't at the center of the universe. God placed us in the midst of the garden, people in the midst of the garden, so that they can enjoy and exalt God in all of His goodness and His glory. But we also see that sin leads us to this pathway where we think that we don't have to exalt God, we can exalt ourselves. That we don't have to make God the center of our lives, that we can be God and be at the center of our lives. That instead of following and depending uh, on God and His grace, His ways, that we tend to be self-sufficient people that depend our, on our own understanding and our own ways. So we talked about how prayer really saves us from our, ourselves, that from thinking that we can do the things of God apart from God. And then last week, we asked the important question, but what about the prayers that, that don't get answered? What about all those countless moments in my life where I prayed and God did not give me what I wanted? Like, how do you answer that? And we looked at the parable that Jesus shared, and from that parable, we simply draw this conclusion that we can pray consistently with confidence and, 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 and with boldness because we have a Heavenly Father who is all-loving but also who is all-knowing. And so knowing that God is all-loving, knowing that He is a lot better than that, that wicked neighbor who is unwilling to share his, his share of bread, uh, we know that our Heavenly Father is not like that. He is far more gracious than any, any, anyone in this room, that He is willing to give His very own self to us, His very own spirit to us. At the same time, if God says no, if God says wait, if our prayers don't get answered, we rejoice in that also, knowing that God knows better than us, knowing that His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. If our prayers always get answered by God, then God has a problem. If he's taking notes from us, from heaven, and saying, oh, man, I, I never thought about that. You know, I never thought about that, that thing in Noah's life, that thing in Bryce's life. Like, I, oh, yeah, I should do that for them. Like, if God has taken notes from you, then that is an issue. And so we see that God, he is an all-loving, all-knowing God. But today, I just want to answer one last question that I think we often struggle with when it comes to prayer. 
It's not about the unanswered prayers, but what if, really, God is just silent when you pray? Like, has anyone been there before when you, you sit down in your room and in the quietness and the stillness of the room that you begin to pray, say things, and you're like, okay, God, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to say all these different things, and, 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 and you pray and you pray, and, and it feels like no one is listening. You're just talking to a wall. Now, I remember in 2008, that's when... Um, I went overseas to do uh, uh, discipleship training with Youth with a Mission. And uh, part of the training was a big part of their teaching was how to hear God's voice, right? That was a big deal. Uh, the idea that God, that he sent his son and Jesus says that, hey, my sheep know my voice. Therefore, God's people should know how to hear from God. That was a big part of their teaching. And so for me, that was, that was a new concept. That was a a new thought, a new idea, and I, I saw people, you know, pray and, and, and hear different things, and, and for me, I'm like, man, that, that's awesome. Like, I wish, just like the people in the Old Testament, just like God spoke to all these different people in the Bible, I, I wish I can have that type of encounter. Like, I want to I hear God personally, like audibly, and so what I did one night, like, Everyone else was having a great time worshiping the Lord. They're, it seems like they're encountering God in a, such a powerful way. I felt like I was, I was the only one in the room that wasn't getting it. Like I was the only one in the room that, that like, I just don't understand what God is doing in my life. And so that was also a season where I was in need for direction. I literally had no plans after graduating from college. Like, I thought I wanted to go down this pathway of, of, of being a, a med student. But at the same time, it took me four years to realize that, that that pathway was not for me. So I'm, like, trying to figure out what do I do with my life? Where do I literally live? Like, moving forward, I have no place uh, to go. And so I'm crying out to the Lord. So I go out to the woods. And, and in the stillness of the night, it's, it's around like midnight, and, and I just start praying. And I, I, I say everything that I could say. I, I, I talk to God. Um, I thought, you know, the problem that I have with God is that I just, I just I don't pray enough. So God, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to stay here until you say something to me. I'm not going to move. Like, like it's kind of cold. It was November. Like, I'm not going to move. The other thing I said was, well, I also know that in your word, it says if we have sin, that God will not listen to us. So sin hinders us from listening to God. So I'm going to confess every single sin that I have in my life. And so I go down the list, the sins that I created like today, the things that I did you know, yesterday, like a year ago. Like I can think of all the different things that I've done to offend God. And I'm like, God, like here, here it is. Like, like I, I, here's all that I can list. And then I go through all that and I, and I, and I still, it's, it's silent, so I check my clock, and it's only been maybe about 15, 20 minutes. Like, I thought, like, I was saying all that I could, like, and, and you realize that you said every single word that you could possibly could, and still it's been only 20 minutes. Like, and my question was, how does this work? Like, and, and so my, my determination to, 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 to be there all night, like, obviously, I went back after an hour, uh, realizing that, okay, God, like, it's been an hour, it's kind of cold, like, I'm going to go back. Like, am I the only person who struggles with this? Like, who feels like sometimes God is, is silent when we pray? Uh, this is really difficult because, you know, one-way communication is frustrating. It's frustrating. Like, you know this when you have sent a text before and, and the other person left you on read 
they, you know that they read it, right? But they don't reply to you. Like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when parents are trying to communicate to their children, hey, like, hey, let's, let's, let's do this, let's do that. They're trying to understand what's going on in their lives. And, and, uh, and, and simply, the child doesn't respond. It's like silence. Like, and a lot of times, like teenagers, I know, I've been there before. We do that on purpose so that our, our parents would get mad to, to, to protest against them, to let them know there's something wrong in this relationship. Now, on the flip side, parents are not innocent in this, in this area because a lot of times the reason why they act this way is because when they were younger, their parents never cared to respond, right? Like when you're a child, you have all these different questions. You try to have all these different conversations. And for parents, it might be a silly conversation, but at the same time, you know, like a conversation is a conversation. And, and yet a lot of times because we're so busy with our lives, what we do as parents is that we just kind of ignore them. Uh, we just say, okay, oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, let's talk later. Like, and we just push them away. In other words, like, we experience what it's like to be in a one-way communication type of relationship. And the reason why prayer often is so frustrating is because it feels like this one-way communication. When you are talking and talking and talking to God, and yet there's no response. And so it's really hard to pray fervently, to pray consistently. And so now the question becomes, what do you do Like when you hit a wall like this? What do you do? Like You have every intention to pray. You see clearly in God's word that, that yeah, prayer is significant and important to the Christian life, and you want to pray, but the question now becomes, what do you do? I just want to point out two things uh, from the Lord's prayer um, and just something that can be applied to our everyday life. The first thing is this, first point. It says, um, the point I want to make is this, prayer is a response to the word of God. Prayer is a response to the word of God. Now, if you study the word of God from cover to cover, you look at the different type of relationships that God had with different individuals um, in in history, one thing that you're going to see, and this is always the case, when God interacts with people, he's always the one who speaks first. God always initiates the conversation. It's never the other way around. Like God, he's always the one who's speaking into individuals. Like you think about the life of Abraham, uh, how God called Abraham when he was in this place and he says, hey, take all your belongings and and go to this promised land that that I prepared for you. You think about Moses in the wilderness. God shows up in a burning bush and he says, well, I want you to go back to Egypt to lead my people from Pharaoh. God shows up to, as Samuel is, is sleeping. God shows up. He says, Samuel, Samuel, calls Samuel three times. And so you see after that, God exposes his heart, what he wants to do in Samuel's life. You think about David, how God anointed David through the prophet Samuel and how God led David on this journey to become a king. You think about Saul before he became Paul, you know, a persecutor of the church, someone who was passionate about destroying the church. One day Jesus shows up and says, well, why are you persecuting me? And so every moment that that you have in history, like you think about the disciples who were called first, it's always Jesus who first approached the disciples. So one thing that you have to understand in this relationship that you have with the Father is this. The Father is always the one, first, the one who speaks first. That he always initiates the conversation. Uh, yeah, God can speak to us through nature. He can speak to us through other people, different circumstances, through the body of Christ. All those things are absolutely true. But 
But how does God literally initiate this conversation? Well, you have it in your hands or sometimes in your phone. Like, it is through the Word of God. You have the very Word of God in your hands. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction. Like, it's, it's there for the training of righteousness. It's, it's complete, able to make a man, you know, mature for every good work. And so you have the living Word of God in your hands. And so it's really ironic that we would say, God never speaks to me, when you literally have in your hands a record of 1,400 years of how God spoke to different people, but it's not just that, but you have the Holy Spirit in you where Jesus says he's going to come and remind you all that I have said throughout history. And so God, he is initiating this conversation through the very word of God. And so how do you get out of this 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 frustrating relationship where you're just doing one-way communication? Well, you actually make yourself available to hear the word of God. Now, if you think about what happens right before the Lord's Prayer, it's the scene where Mary and Martha, right, they're in their house, and Jesus is invited as a guest, and Martha is busy serving Jesus because she wants to make sure that the guest is being treated while Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus because to Mary, Jesus is not just a guest. Jesus is her Lord, and so she's willing to sit and listen to Jesus. She's listening to the teachings of Jesus, the Bible says. And as she is listening to the teachings of Jesus, the very next thing that happens in chapter 11 is that the disciples ask, how should we pray now? Do you see the the order of, of, of things? God speaks to you first. And in response to what he says, now you begin to speak back to him. If you're praying, Father, your will be done your way I want. Like, what is God's will? What is God's way? Like, you have to know what God's will and God's way is in order to pray that prayer. And, and you don't have to guess about God's good will and, and his good ways. You literally have the word of God to explain that to you. Like, one person said this, hey, if you want to hear God speak audibly, read the word of God out loud audibly. Like, God's word is, is that clear and, and that personal, and God, that powerful in our lives. Prayer begins not when we begin to say things to God. It begins when we are willing to sit down and listen at the feet of, of Jesus Christ. So I think one practical application that I can give to you in light of the Lord's prayer is this. When you pray, before you even go into any type of prayer, let God speak to you first. Like, open God's word up, set time aside, and so that you can think of God's word, you can understand who he is through God's word, you can understand who you are, and in light of what you just read, you pray prayers. You respond to his word in prayer. You know, George Mueller, he was someone who lived in the 19th century, did a lot of great work in in England, and his main work was that he, he had all these orphanages. At one point, he supported two. 2,000 orphans um, and, and over a lifetime, like 10,000 orphans. So he did so, so, so much good work in, in England. And one thing that he said was, no, he never asked for funds or, or support. Like all he did was pray. And so a lot of people, when they think about George Mueller, they immediately think, hey, that's a man of prayer. 
Now, George Mueller, he also has this, this journal where he keeps all the prayers that he prayed and he checks off all the prayers that has been answered. Uh, at one point, he said there is specifically about 50,000 prayers that I prayed that have been specifically answered. Like a lot of prayers that have been answered. A lot of times the reason why we don't understand how God is answering our prayers is because we don't keep track of what we pray and how God answers our prayers, right? But George Mueller did that. But one thing that he says is this. There's one thing that really transformed my prayer life. Before, when earlier in my career, when I was a new believer, what I used to do was I rose up, and the very first thing I did in the morning, I started to speak to God. Like pray to God. I would say all these different things to God, what I need, what I want, and, and all the things that I, I, I wish would happen in my life. But 10 years in, what he realized was the more and more I would bring these issues to God, like the more and more he realized that, that prayer was boring, it wasn't effective. He would say the same thing over and over again. Like we've been with people who would say the same thing over and over again. It gets really redundant and boring. And, and what he said was this. One day I began to realize that prayer is not just me talking to God. It's the response to God's word. And so he started his day not simply by speaking to God, but allowing God to speak to him first. Meditating on God's word. Allowing God's word to shape his heart, to shape his understanding of who he is. And the more and more he did that, he realized that the more and more he could pray. Like, he had specific things to pray. Like, he had, he understood God's will and his way according to his word, and now he could pray very specific prayers. Now, I remember uh, one feedback that I got from the last, um, last, I think it was summer retreat with our youth, uh, one feedback that I got was for our rising sixth graders, right? One feedback was that, man, the prayer time was so long. Like, and, and, and I felt, kind of felt bad because they were talking about particularly that, that last night where I, I ended up leading that prayer time, and the, the feedback was like, an hour of prayer? That's too long. But one thing that, that I realized was when I was thinking about that time, for me, it was like, man, I had to cut it short. Like, why? Because the word of God was so good that day. Like, it was convicting to my heart. And, and there are so many things to pray based on God's word. And so what you realize is now you don't have to bring the agenda and, 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 and try to pray on your own agenda. But God sets the agenda so that you can wrestle with his will, his way. So let the word of God speak to you first and in response, pray. I think that's why Jesus says in John 15, 7 to his disciples, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask anything that you wish and it will be given to you. Now, a lot of times we just throw out the first part of this verse and say that last part I love because ask anything that you wish and it will be given to you. But the, the, the condition of, 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 of that promise is that you would first abide in Jesus and let the words of Jesus abide in you. In other words, you allow Jesus to speak first into your life. And as Jesus, his words are making, made clear into your life, you speak back to, to God in light of what he said to you. And that's how you get your prayers answered. And so one way I want to encourage you to do this is on a daily basis, open up your Bible and start your day off with God's word and let your, the word of God tune your heart and and it is tuning your heart and tuning your life, you respond in prayer because what you're going to realize is this. What God asks of you through his word is actually impossible apart from his grace. 
Like when he asks you through his word, convicts you, hey, you should honor your parents even though they deserve nothing because they hurt you and abandoned you. Like it requires God's grace and his mercy for you to take that step. When God's word says, hey, you should even love your enemies, people that hurt you, like again, God's word and his grace is needed when it comes to uh, obeying that command. So the more and more you realize when you really dive into God's word and understand the life that he wants you to live, you're going to pray because you're going to realize, I I don't have the power nor the ability to live out this word. So God, help me through your spirit, through your grace. Another way that you can apply this is come out to Saturday morning prayer. Like, there's a reason why we spend a good chunk of our time when we gather Saturday mornings to actually look into God's Word. We follow the Bible reading plan. We try to demonstrate how we would understand God's Word, but not just that, how we would pray through that passage. And so uh, I think if you are struggling to, to pray um, in light of God's Word, just find accountability. Go to someone who, who, who can help you and, and start setting a time uh, to, to, to invest in God's word so that God can speak not just to you, but that you can speak uh, in response to what he says to you. I think if you do this, what you're going to realize is not only will your prayer life become enriched, but, but your everyday devotion is going to become exciting. You know why? Because if you just read God's word and you're like, okay, that's great. You read one chapter a day. You close your Bible. What do you remember from that? Pretty much nothing. You're not going to be able to recall anything if you just read God's word. Now, if you take notes, maybe you might be able to think of something. But if you make it a habit where you are reading God's word and in light of that you are praying, then you're going to remember God's word. You know why? Because in order to pray through God's word, you need to actually first process God's word. And, and so it slows you down. And so unless you really, really understand God's word, you can't pray so what's going to happen is your time in the, in the word is going to be longer sweeter and so make it a priority to respond to god's word in prayer prayer is a response to the word of god number two is this prayer is a responsibility we share as the family of god prayer is a responsibility that we share as the family of god now if you are in christ not only does god the God of the universe become your heavenly father, but not only do you get to share the same father with Jesus Christ, but you get to share the same father with other followers of Jesus Christ. That, that, that's a package deal. You can't just have God as your father and neglect your brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice in today's passage, in the Lord's Prayer, the, the pronouns that, that God is using, that Jesus is using here is this. He doesn't say, hey, Pray in a way that, say, give me each day my daily bread. Forgive me of my sin. Lead me not into temptation. No, no, no. The pronoun that is used is is plural. He's saying, hey, do this together. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Lead us not into temptation. So the idea is that, yes, prayer is something that's personal. You do it individually. At the same time, it has implications when it comes to the community of Christ. You do this not just for your own sake, for the, for the sake of other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, some people, when I ask them, hey, like, how's your prayer life? What are some things that you're praying for? And a lot of times they would say, well, I'm not really praying for anything because my life is good. Like, my life is okay. It's smooth. Like, you know, it's, it's boring. Not, not much is happening. Could it be that there's, that you have that peace and, and that, 
that, that opening in your life where you are enjoying life so that you can pray for others? Could it be that the reason why God has blessed you with all these good things in your life is so that you could have time to pray for others who don't have the same? You know, when you are praying, it's not just about your daily bread. There are so many brothers and sisters in this world who are struggling because they are struggling to get daily bread. And so you remember them and you pray for them. You pray for their daily needs. There are so many people who are struggling with the temptation of sin. And is your response to that, hey, I'm just grateful that I'm not dealing with the same temptation? Or does that motivate you to pray? Like, when you look at the news and all that's going on with the war and, and with the hurricanes, disastrous stuff, is your response, man, that stinks. Like, whew, I, don't, I can't imagine what it's like to be there. Or is your response, God, have mercy on, on those people? Because my responsibility is not just for me to live in your goodness. I want other people to experience your goodness as well. Do you notice that the Lord's Prayer is a call to not just pray for your own needs. It's a call to pray for the needs of others. That's the Christian life, right? The first half of the Lord's Prayer is all about God's glory, right? We want your kingdom to come, your will to be done. So it's all about loving God. The second half about the Lord's Prayer is, yes, it's about your needs, but it's more about really praying on behalf of others as well. It's loving your neighbor in such a way. Now, if you think about the parable that was shared by Jesus last week, right, the midnight friend, uh, this, this guy uh, has a friend who shows up at midnight, and he traveled a long distance, so he's hungry, doesn't have anything to eat, but this guy doesn't have food uh, to provide for his, his friend, so he goes to a neighbor, knocks on his door, he says, hey, like, I'm so sorry that I'm, I'm, I'm here at this time, but can you lend me some, three loaves of bread because my buddy is hungry? And what was the response? The response was like, no, my family is asleep. Like my children, they're asleep. I don't want to, I don't want to get up and give you this. Uh, but because he was so persistent, because he was, he was so consistent and, and bold and almost shameless in his request, he ended up giving the bread all that he needed. But the important part is this. The guy went to his neighbor not because he was in need. The guy went to his neighbor because his friend was in need. In other words, the reason why he prayed, quote-unquote, because that's a, that's a parable that points to the fact that we can always pray with confidence and with persistence before God. The reason why he prayed wasn't because he was specifically in need. He prayed for the good of others. In the same way, when you begin to pray for others and be intentional about praying for the good of others, now your time in prayer becomes very, very long because the people that God has placed in your life, there's so much to pray for. Like, in your prayer life, how much do you pray for other people? Your family, your friends, people in your small group, leaders of this church, your neighbors that are living on your streets, people who God has placed in, this, in the same earth. Like, are you being intentional about praying for, for their good and not just for your good but for their good? So we see that um, the Lord's Prayer it encourages us to pray uh, in response to God's word. It encourages us to pray with other people for the good of others. And I think the perfect example um, that summarizes what I'm trying to say today is, is the prayer life of Jesus Christ. You think about how he prayed. He didn't just pray because he had all these different needs personally. Yes, he prayed because he wanted to have intimacy and a relationship with the Father, but he also prayed because he wanted to pray for the disciples. He wanted to pray for those who are lost. 
like even before the cross, you see his prayer in, in John 14, 15, and 16, and, and he's praying for his disciples specifically, like because they are in need of, of help. And we see even on the cross, as he is literally dying, you know what he does? He prays. Like those sayings that he says, like a lot of them are prayers, but they're not just random prayers. They're prayers that come straight out of God's word. If you think about it, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. You go to Isaiah 53, verse 12, talking about the suffering servant. It says, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. In other words, he himself was treated as a sinner. He bore the sin of many, and yet what he does there is that he prays on behalf of the sinners. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. I really believe that Jesus was probably thinking of Isaiah 53 when he was praying that prayer, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. When when he's praying the prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's literally quoting David, Psalm 22, verse 1. And he's thinking of how David himself wanted the will of God. And so at the same time, life was so difficult. So he prays that prayer in light of God's word. And it's, he also says, God, I thirst. And I think that's really alluding to Psalm 69 too, where you, know, you have this first word says, for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Literally, Jesus was dying on the cross. He was experiencing thirst, physical thirst, spiritual thirst. And it's, it's alluding to Psalm 69. And the last thing, quoting from uh, Psalm 31.5, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, as he was dying, prayed, and his prayers was response to God's word. And what happened when he prayed in response to God's word? He accomplished God's will. And he prayed not just for his own sake, for, but for the glory of God and for the good of others. So to summarize this, what is prayer? Prayer begins with a relationship. But prayer is not just something that, that happens uh, so that we can have good things in our lives. Prayer is something that we do in order to have God's good will in our lives. And we pray specifically in light of what God already said to us. We don't have to question. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder what God is saying to our lives. We literally have the written word of God and the spirit of God who came, who aka is the spirit of truth. He's the one who illumines all this truth so that we can apply God's word into our lives. And, and as we respond in such a way as he teaches us how to pray. Our prayers no longer become self-centered and selfish. We begin to pray prayers for God's kingdom and for the good of others. And it's not just the words that are being spoken, but God begins to shape us and mold us so that we can live in that direction. So my question now is this. Jesus, for the past four weeks, taught us how to pray. I think we know enough. It's more of a matter now. Are we going to be praying people believing in the power of prayer? So let's pray, knowing that God he invites us to pray as little children because he is a good father who's gracious. And he's not willing to just pour his blessings upon our lives. He's wanting to work through our lives so that we can be a blessing to the nations. Amen? Let's pray.